Welcome to Reddit Reads, our slash pro revenge. Our first Reddit post is from Deleted. Pro Divorce. Throwaway as this might not make me very popular, even in pro revenge. This all happened to me a few years ago. I told a friend the story of my divorce, and I was told to share. Started a few years ago. I thought we were happy. We were your usual suburban professional couple. Financially secure, healthy, good sex life. I thought we had a healthy social life. We were going through one of your typical married couple rough patches. Both of us were working long hours, not spending enough time together. We were going through some developmental problems with my son and tensions in the house were running a little high. I noticed that she was spending a lot more time on her phone texting with her girlfriends. I didn't think much of it. I started making a much more concerted effort to get out of work when I could help around the house and be more emotionally available, but over the course of a few weeks the gulf just kept getting wider. I ended up accidentally finding some messages when I charged up an old iPad for my son to use. Her FB messenger was still logged in, and there were a lot of highly questionable messages with a guy from her hometown who I will call Jimbo Cooter or JBC for short. The messages weren't completely inappropriate, but I could tell there were quite a few missing based on the times and context of the messages. I made a mental note to keep an eye on this and went about trying to fix things up. The next day, after I took the day off to knock out some projects that I thought would make her happy, and left her some sweet notes reminding her how much I appreciated her, she was once again in the corner of the living room texting her girlfriends. I took the boys iPad to the office, opened up FB Messenger, and watched in real time as my wife tore me down. Her and JBC were making fun of me. All of my flaws, insecurities, and secrets I entrusted to my partner were now fodder for her and JBC. Not only that, but while there wasn't outright sexting, there was a sexual undertone to the whole conversation, especially when she was bashing my performance in the sack. I managed to take some screenshots, but missed a good bit of the messages, because as the conversation was unfolding, she was deleting them. I wasn't emotionally capable of confronting her. I stayed in the office until she was asleep and had a couple drinks. I took off the next day and spent some time soul-searching drinking and trying to figure out what to do. The wife came home and wanted to know what was wrong, and I just coped out and told her I had a bad day. A couple minutes later, I was watching the iPad as the train wreck kept unfolding. So began a couple solid weeks of taking screenshots, drinking, and ditching myself. I knew there was no going back from this. The messages were now overtly sexual with my wife completely into it, and JBC was sprinkling in I love use. I consulted a lawyer and got my options, and started moving forward. Here's where everything got absolutely surreal. Watching the messages, I found out JBC was coming to town to spend a weekend of quality time with my wife in a pretty nice hotel. I was missing a good bit of the info. They must have had a phone conversation about it at some point, but I was able to infer enough to get the when and where. Sure as shit the next day, the wife is buttering me up and wanting to take a spa weekend with the girls to relax and when she gets back we can really focus on our marriage. I go with it all the way. It's the greatest idea she's ever had, 
and I'll do anything to get us back on track. I get with the lawyer and have him draft a strong separation agreement stating that she would move out, she would get weekend visitation, no child support in the interim until the divorce is final. Then, I sit through the most agonizing two weeks of my life. After all this, most of my feelings for her are completely gone, and I'm just seething with anger like I've never felt before. Day arrives. I take the day off work. I withdraw half of any money in any accounts we are joint on, leave her half alone. I had already redirected my paycheck to a new bank. I close our money market account and get a cashier's check for her half and deposit my half in my new account. I stop at Office Max and print out about 75 pages of FB Messenger screenshots, and I kill time because I don't want to be at home. She texts me that she's taking off and that she loves me. I tell her to have fun. I show up to the hotel at about 8.30 and call the wife's phone from the lobby. It goes straight to VM. They are probably already at it whatever. I'll walk up to the front desk and ask if I can use the phone to be connected to Juke's room. It rings three times and he picks up. JBC, hello? Me JBC. Can you send my wife down to the lobby please? JBC, I don't know what you're talking about bro. Me oak then. I guess I'll have to call Mrs. JBC and get her down here. Totally a bluff. I knew he was married, and I knew her first name, but that was it. JBC inaudible, shuffling panic. Me, you got five minutes. Click. Not even two minutes later, my wife comes, walking out of the elevator, looking a little flustered. I sit her down in the corner of the lobby. Her starts spewing bullshit, saying it's not what it seems, etc., etc. Me, I'm not here to argue. The things that are said in this pile of papers are what's going on. The only way I'm not giving a copy of this to daughter, your parents, and emailing it to everyone we know is if you move out immediately. Wife was very prideful. Daughter was going through a rebellious teen phase and her knowing probably would have forever killed their relationship. Wife was also her parents' golden child, and she always worried about what they thought of her. I didn't have much leverage and shame was my only card to play. Also, her professional life is built up around her image, so I knew she would protect that at all costs. Her sniffle mumble inaudible. Me, this is a check for half of the money market account. I've withdrawn my half of the money from all the other joint accounts. You should have more than enough to get a place. She starts to cry a little. I could almost see the different thoughts and waves of emotions going through her, but now was the time to keep pressing. Me here is a separation agreement that I think is more than fair considering what's going on. I'm going to need you to look this over, sign it, and leave it at the house when you get your stuff. Do you want to look through these screenshots? Her no. Me oak. Go have fun with JBC. Do not come back to the house or I'm going to send this holds up ream of screenshots to everyone. I bounce out of the lobby and I can hear her start to have a breakdown. I get to the car, drive off to a parking lot, and have my own crying rage fit. Previously, I would have cried in front of her and yelled and whatnot, but I managed to get my shit together enough to pull it off. I don't know what she did that night or over the weekend. 
She texted and called over and over wanting to talk. I just turned the phone off and by the time Monday afternoon rolled around there were movers getting her stuff and she delivered the agreement. I let her have a talk with the kiddos basically saying mommy and daddy need some time apart. Standard divorce talk. After a week she wants to have a real talk for the first time. I oblige her because I've already got my shit together and I've got an idea of what I want, but I should hear her out. She's so sorry. She wants another chance. She wants her family back. She'll do anything. She's on her knees crying into my lap. I have no intention of ever taking her back. I tell her she needs to set up marriage counseling on her own at a time that works for me. I tell her that I can't live with her, but she should be around the children to try to maintain a relationship with them. So starts our new normal of her coming over the house cooking and having dinner. With the kids three nights a week she always saved me a plate. I made myself scarce, her cleaning the house and doing the kids laundry then heading back to her place. We went to counseling. It consisted of her working through her issues, with the therapist trying to figure out why she did it, her begging for forgiveness, and me stoically playing the victim. I was never going to give her another chance. All I wanted to do was kill time, establish myself as the primary caregiver to the kids, and establish her as not having residency in the house. After a few months I go to my own therapist and get diagnosed with depression and PTSD. I ask my work if it's possible to go to part-time for the foreseeable future to deal with personal issues, and it's no big deal. After six months of therapy I told her that I couldn't forgive her right now, and that I wanted an amicable divorce, but she is still the love of my life and maybe someday we could give it another try. She was devastated, but agreed to the divorce if I promised to try again someday. Once the divorce was filed, I needed the kids to want to stay with me. I left a Google search for how to survive your wife's infidelity up on the shared PC at home, and I left some printed out infidelity articles not so hidden in the kitchen. My daughter found them and came to me crying. I told her she wasn't supposed to find those that mom made a mistake, that mom still loves her, and that I would always be here for her. My daughter, who used to hold my wife in such high regard now, wouldn't talk to her without screaming, and it crushed her. Not surprisingly, when the court needed statements from the kids, a few months later little brother followed big sister's lead, and they both wanted to stay with dad in the house they grew up in. When the divorce was finalized, I got the house had to buy out some of her equity. But that's oak. I got primary custody of the kids. I got awarded generous child support due to the difference in our incomes due to me working part-time. Now, for the last two years, I've gotten to live in the house with my kids, work part-time, get the now ex to subsidize it for me, and when she takes the kids over the weekends, I get. In the eyes of my kids, I'm the patron saint of fatherhood for taking the high road and always being there. In the eyes of my ex, I'm the one that got away, that she will always pine for and I get the bonus of having her come over for sex whenever I want it by dangling that carrot of maybe getting back together. But that is never going to happen. TLDR got divorced and it worked out. This comment is from Langagernity. This is brutal, efficient, cold, calculating, and downright impressive. 
If this doesn't belong in Pro Revenge, nothing does. This comment is from Teamable. This is exactly what belongs in Pro Revenge. This comment is from Filer. I am actually torn. On one hand, the divorce was handled as it should be, especially as a male with evidence and time locking the stand. On another op took the extra 10 miles and went full tyrant on his ex and swindled his children's emotions. I suppose my reaction is somewhere along the lines of good job, but fuck. Our next Reddit post is from Matchbox. Apple's holier than how attitude is their undoing in court. A few disclosures before we begin, I was an Apple retail employee for two years and amicably resigned in favor of full-time post-college employment several months before this unfolded. Additionally, the central issue of this post seems minor. I didn't want to change my password, so some may find this more appropriate for retire Vange, but as it involves an extensive court battle, I think a pro revenge is a better venue. Although the main issue will definitely make me look petty, it was the straw that broke the camel's back based on Apple's pompousness throughout the issue. About a year and a half ago, I was having issues with both my MacBook and iPhone, and went on to schedule a genius bar appointment. This used to be an easy task. You just went to the support site and scheduled one but over time. Apple has foolishly attempted to reduce the load on the Genius Bars by putting up various roadblocks to getting an appointment. I assume Angela has just decided that this is cheaper than hiring more staff and that most of the customers are rabid enough to still buy Apple tech despite the blow this causes to decent customer service. After finally jumping through a number of hoops to get a Genius Bar appointment, I'm prompted to enter my Apple ID password. I'm told that since it's been three months, I need to change it for what is now probably the tenth time since having that Apple A. I can continue to use it on the App Store and iCloud and such. Having gone through this for the last several times to get an appointment, I finally hit my wits and decided it's an unnecessary step to just get my products serviced and escalate the matter through the BBB. Apple's initial response to the BBB is a form letter saying that I need to just change the password because it's in my best interests for security reasons and that they won't make any exceptions. I respond again, indicating that this is bad customer service and incongruent with the Apple Credo customer service principles that all employees are trained in. Their next response was that Apple considers this matter closed. I hate that response. It's corporate speak for you're not worth our time anymore, go away. The BBB closed the case shortly thereafter. I do some research and determined that through my Apple Car policy that I was paying for on both devices, there was actually no catch-all clause for why Apple could refuse to service the device. There were several exclusions, but arbitrary account security requirements were not part of them. I file suit in small claims court for replacement value of the laptop and phone. Here's where things got interesting. I show up to the court date, and the case is called. I come up to my podium, and at the defendant's podium appears the manager from the store I used to work at. It was in the same county as the court, but significantly farther away than an Apple store that was actually a mile from the courthouse. I never confirmed this, but I think Apple didn't pay attention to the details of the complaint on the form, just did a name lookup. The judge asks me 
to explain why I am suing, and in about a minute I'm able to concisely explain that Apple was putting up an unnecessary and extra-contractual blockade. The judge then turns to the store manager, who has arrived at court in a shirt and jeans. I'm in a full suit out of respect for the court, but before asking for Apple's side of the story, asks if the manager is a lawyer. The manager says he is not. The judge says that my state's laws require that only a chief executive or registered agent can represent a company in court, or they have to hire a lawyer to remove it to a higher district court. The manager responds that he understands, but that he's happy to set up a genius bar appointment right here, right now at my convenience, to get the products repaired. The judge deems this reasonable. We agree on a time for me to come into my old store for service, and the case is continued for two weeks out on the chance that things don't work out. I attend my appointment and the technician is able to resolve all of my issues. And in addition, a senior Apple technician contacts me by email to indicate that he's overriding the password expiration requirement on my Apple ID, and I will never have to change it again. Cool deal but I'm still out 60 for filing this court case to actually get things moving along. I appear for the continued court date, and the same manager appears again too. The docket is especially busy on this date, and we have a different judge who is slashing through cases, Nininson's. We are called, and I indicate that while we were able to resolve the problems with my equipment, since the original trial and am no longer seeking replacement value for my products, I should not have had to sue Apple to get this type of treatment that aligned with their contractual obligations to me as an Apple Car customer, and believe that I should be awarded the 60 in court fees. The judge turns to the store manager and asks if he is a lawyer. Manager says no. Judge too gives him the same spiel. Manager retorts that he still believes that the court fees shouldn't be Apple's responsibility because blah blah blah, and judge pressed for time turns to me and says I assume you don't want to have to come back here again for them to get a lawyer I say no thinking that he's going to give me the full 60, but instead he says okay, then you'll just split it so that we don't have to wait 30 to the plaintiff. According to my state's laws, a prevailing party gets all of their court costs. As such, I really disagree with the way the judge handled that splitting it because he was in a hurry. I reach out to Apple's paralegal who had emailed me right after the original trial to confirm that genius bar appointment, cite the relevant law and say that the judge was pretty clearly in the wrong, and ask Apple to just cut me a check. Otherwise, I'd have to appeal. I was more or less appealing to their common sense. They didn't have any responding that they would follow the court's judgment only and cut a check for 30. I think their pompousness continued in assuming that I was bluffing about the appeal. So I appealed. Since the small claims court is a subordinate of the district court, it actually got appealed to the highest court in the county, the circuit court. This is big boy court. No bullshitting. I appear from my court date, and again the same manager shows up. Judge is a bouncy guy and a bouty, clearly had his coffee, and is pleasant to everyone. I present my case, that the lower court only awarded me partial costs and the state law required, that I get the entire amount since judgment was entered in my favor. 
Judge turns to the manager, are you a lawyer? He says no, but he has a letter from Apple's chief legal counsel saying that it's okay with them, that the manager represents them. The judge does not like this, and his demeanor changes instantly. Apple does not decide what you can or cannot do in my courtroom. You need an attorney, so we'll probably need to continue this case. Judge turns to me, do you object to a continuance for the defendant to get an attorney? I say yes, I do, Your Honor, because they've actually been told three times now that they need to have a lawyer, and they keep disrespecting this court by sending the same layman to argue on their behalf. Judge turns to the manager, and with a sarcastic grin and obviously fake it's out of my hands, hand gesture says sorry. Judgment is entered in my favor for 185. As if that wasn't good enough, after 30 days, Apple still hasn't paid. I reach out to the paralegal again, and they say that they are still looking into their options as if they were going to appeal to the state Supreme Court, which had to have been done within those 30 days. Again, Apple thinks that they're too good to follow court instructions or do what's best for them. But they seem to have forgotten that I used to work from them. I have my credit union look up one of the old ACH transactions from my payroll, and I ask them what bank that was drafted from they tell me Wachovia. I go back to court, file garnishment proceedings against Apple via Wachovia. I was able to skip the discovery portion since I already knew where they were keeping at least 185, and Wachovia of course cuts me a check within days. TL Drive Apple are pompous assholes who won't just do what's best for them, and a customer relationship refused to do a basic service via customer service channels gets sued. Continuously disrespects court orders to involve legal counsel instead of a hippie in jeans, and gets the hammer from a circuit court judge. Doesn't pay their judgment, gets it garnished out of their payroll account. This comment is from Senelvra. The issue was petty, but the execution was definitely pro. This comment is from Alatlin in Teen 70. Yes, appearing pro se in small claims in circuit court court, securing a continuance, researching the law and appealing to circuit court, and chasing Wachovia to enforce a judgment is hardcore lawyering. You have steel under britches to house brass balls. IAAL the trivial issue resulted in pro-revenge. This comment is from M-Y-N-A-M-E-I-S-N-O-T-R-A-L-P-H. The size of the judgment may make it feel like petty, but that's exactly what Apple is counting on if it's not too big of a dollar value. The customer won't take it, and they're banking on the customer to eat these costs, forgive them, and buy the next product. Pro all round for me. That was Reddit Reads, r slash pro revenge. If you like this content, please rate this podcast five stars. We upload new videos every day. See you tomorrow.